lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, Look for us instead, please, if you wouldn't mind, on places that don't try to censor us. On MeWe, Parlor and Gab, you can also follow at Steve Day Show on Getter. And you can get clips of the show that are free of censorship and free to watch over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Today is a special day if you like Bilt Bar and if you like banana cream pie, because you can also get today... Their ret- the return of one of their favorite Bilt Bar Puff flavors, Banana Cream Pie. That's on the heels of last week's introduction of White Chocolate Cookies and Cream, which Aaron reviewed on the show in real time yesterday and gave it two very enthusiastic thumbs up. It's true. Uh, if you want to try Bilt Bar, get that new flavor, the Banana Cream Pie Bilt Bar Puff, or any of their outstanding flavors today for 15% off when you use my name, Dace, last name that is, as your promo code at built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. It's not just better than every other protein bar, folks. It's better than a lot of candy bars. Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for Built Bar, promo code Dace to get 15% off. Coming up on the show today... The weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us. Uh, We'll also play our weekly little game of buy, sell, or hold. That'll be uh, starting at the bottom of this hour. But before we get there, we begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by the dam, is starting to break. Both the Canadian provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan announced yesterday they're ending all COVID restrictions, including vaccine passports and masking. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Castro is starting to flail a bit in the face of the truckers, saying his country needs more restrictions so his country doesn't have to face more restrictions. I can understand frustrations with mandates, but mandates are the way to avoid further restrictions. Prime Minister Castro is facing ultra-rare dissension amongst his Liberal Party ranks. This is Liberal Minister of Parliament, Joel Lightbound. On Radio-Canada, an interview with what seemed to be a very kind grandmother who demonstrated for her grandkids. She looked and sounded nothing like a white supremacist. Nor did the black, Sikh, and indigenous Canadians I saw demonstrating on my way to Parliament these last two weeks or in Quebec City this last Saturday. I have enough respect for my fellow Canadians not to engage in these easy and absurd labels. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, we remind you that police recently confiscated fuel that truckers were relying upon to run their big rigs. Well, a bunch of people showed up on the streets yesterday, each of them carrying at least one jerry can. Some were filled with fuel, some were empty, making it absolutely impossible for police to crack down on them. In Florida, Ron DeSantis has some words for Democrat politicians who just recently had a change of heart in regards to masking. You start to see them kind of reevaluate or say all this. Just understand this. The science didn't change. Well, the medical science didn't change. 
the political science change. They feel the heat. They know that voters have been tired of perpetual lockdown policies. They know that they have basically offered no off-ramp, and, and they know that they're fixing to get whooped at the polls. And so that's what's causing the epiphany. The country of South Korea has dropped its once innovative test and trace strategy after the country recently set a record high of daily COVID cases. About 64% of that population has received a third shot of one of the COVID jabs. Checking in on the schools, our friend Shannon Joy posted this video from a Webster, New York school district meeting. A private security assaulting and removing a parent from the meeting for reasons. Time to look at this. Look at this. Look. What are you doing? What the f are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Is this how you treat what our are children? You doing? Did you put your hands on the Holy children like crap. that, sir? In Georgia, a whistleblower disseminated a document to the media purportedly showing a list compiled by school administrators at the Independent Lovett School of parents who administrators say have, quote, too much influence and who, quote, discussed them. In Loudoun County, Virginia, that school board was served with baskets full of affidavits at their latest meeting last night. The district is attempting to keep masking kids in schools despite Governor Yunkin's order, which was also upheld in court. Teachers Union boss Randy Weingarten says, screw the Democrats in the midterms. What's the argument against taking off masks in schools? The real issue becomes, are, is, the, is, is the spread low enough so that there's no dissemination or transmission in schools? And it's not the teachers transmitting to kids, um, it's more kids and kids, particularly in elementary schools right now. Checking in on Ditch McConnell. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here. We're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection. Two Texas congressmen, Louis Gohmert and Troy Neal, say U.S. Capitol Police have engaged in spying, breaking into their offices when they weren't there, and in one case dressing as construction workers and photographing sensitive documents. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. The Department of Justice recently announced they'll likely not prosecute so-called safe injection sites for hard drugs. In addition, the Biden administration just announced they're funding a program to hand out free crack pipes to crack and meth users. And finally, a public service announcement from the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services. At the Department of Health and Human Services, our top two priorities are science, science, and safety. Hello, I'm Dr. Nels Ladyman, chairwoman of the HHS's Safe Hard Drug Injection Site Task Force, here with a public service announcement for all crackheads, crack hosts, smackheads, bong kings, smokehounds, tweakers, and Hunter Biden. With the Department of Justice's recent indication they will not prosecute safe injection sites for hard drugs, it's easy to be elated at this wonderful news. HHS-approved crack and meth pipes should be arriving at underpasses near you very soon with a fresh stash of clean needles. But it's important to remain vigilant in the face of a deadly pandemic that's killed over 900,000 people in our country alone. So we humbly ask you, next time you take your next fat rip off of your favorite crack or blue meth, please remember to only remove your mask when inhaling and then place it back over your nose when exhaling like so. Together, we can keep you, me, and our entire country safe. And that's what happened while we were away. 
Mom, if you're watching, that's why I asked you if you had a crack pipe on my way out the door this morning. <laughs> um, I did not know that was coming, which made it even grander. Um, but it was um, uh, well, uh, well worth it. And amongst the, the, the greatest visuals in the history of this program, at least that give me the most pleasure, the jihadists getting blown up in mid-rant. You know how much I love that video. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cambodian smoking toddler. Mm-hmm. And now Aaron removing his mask to take a tweak off a crack pipe. HHS issued. Yes. Crack pipe. Uh, thank you. Uh, and then putting his mask back on before exhaling uh, in order to fully absorb that drip. Um, that, that's up there now. We, we have now a trinity of the greatest visuals in the history of this program. So Aaron, that is exceedingly well done. And I trust that that will be shared on all of our socials here uh, throughout the course of the day. Do we really want that? We absolutely want that. America, I think. The real America absolutely wants that. Do you think the safe injection uh, task force chairwoman is is actually a dude? I'm totally okay with every last morsel of it. And I think think if that was an actual thing, it would be headed by a mentally ill man but it, here's the thing and this is why it's funny is it could absolutely be a thing that's what makes parody um effective is that it could absolutely be a thing and also in this day and age makes it more challenging to do because it's hard to get ahead of the curve how can i out crazy the current curve of cr- the current crazy curve right how do i get ahead of that curve Brother, you just did it. That was exceedingly, that was the most awkward attempt at cross-dressing <laughs> since Harvey Corman in the Star Wars Christmas special attempting to be an alien female Julia Childs, if you know the clip that I am talking about. Of so, course. Exceedingly awkward. Well done on your part. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. Who knows, man? These are the days where you could use maybe a glass of wine or two to simmer down after a long day of watching the decline and fall of the Roman Empire happen around you. And if you want to try it out right now with our friends at Bonner Private Wine, some of the best imported wines in the world. These are red wines uh, from Malbec grapes that are grown in uh, orchids that are what, or I'm sorry, vineyards, wrong fruit, vineyards that are what, 9,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. So some of the highest altitude red wines in the world. Uh, They are not loaded with sugars or chemicals or things of that nature. Just good, natural flavor. And all three of us have tried them and loved them. Todd has loved them a little bit more than the rest of us, if we're being totally honest with that. Okay. So if you want to give them a shot right now, half off the retail price and half off the shipping. So you get half off on both ends. You don't need a promo code. Just go to bonnerprivatewine.com dash Steve. Bonner Private Wines, I should say. Bonnerprivatewines.com. <clears throat> Pardon me. Bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. So I got up this morning and the thought occurred to me as I looked at more and more evidence that the Democrats were going to take the Omicron off ramp. And now you've got Rachel Walensky, who just said uh, they they called a sudden White House coronavirus task force meeting this morning. Rochelle Walensky over at CDC said, we're not quite ready to lift the mask guidelines yet. But you had Anthony Fauci say last night, we wondered, hey, when was the last time we had a Sunday morning 
with a Fauci-less Sunday morning on all the Sunday morning talk shows. Nobody in the real America watches, right? We couldn't think of the mm-hmm. last time that happened. Fauci crawls out of his spider hole last night to tell us that the pandemic phase of this could be at an end. See, I think it's actually smart politics for the White House to continue to play the panic porn a few more weeks. Play to your Branch Covidian base. You have to get them. You can't go in 72 hours like you did on Super Tuesday, resurrecting Joe Biden from dead to alive. The attachment here is is a little bit, uh, or, or quite a bit more intimate than was the attachment to uh, the Biden candidacy at the time. So it's going to take a few weeks here. Instead of three days of resurrection, three weeks of moving your sheeple base to where you want them to go. And, and you have Democrat governors just keep doing what they're doing. You have Democrat media, the New York Times. It is time to reconsider the question of masking children in schools. The Time Magazine this morning, it's time to end the masking of children in schools. You let your governors and media do the heavy lifting because it's happening organically with or without you anyway. Meanwhile, you keep on your panic porn message for a few more weeks. It is still winter after all. For a few more weeks, and because that also keeps Republicans hostage to flaccid talking points that won't be relevant here in about 30 days. And then, voila, March comes along. You've got a State of the Union address, and we beat COVID, guys. And so that got me thinking when I got up this morning. You know, we, we live in a political duopoly in America. Now, it is a rival duopoly, sometimes. Too many times, it's a unibrow, as our colleague Shannon Joy describes it. Or a friend, Shannon Joy, I should say. Freudian slip on the colleague. She's been retweeted by our CEO more than I have been for the last month. So maybe, I don't know, there's something up there I'm not aware of. Okay. But um, um, sometimes it's a rivalry. Most of the time it's a unibrow, right? But sometimes it's a rivalry. But in any form of a duopoly, whatever happens to one end also impacts the other. It, does, it cannot happen in a vacuum. It cannot. And so the question then becomes, if the Democrats are taking the Omicron Omicron off-ramp, and they are, if they're taking it, then, you know, we, we started the year off talking about what a fantastic political science exercise this was going to be. What would the Democrats do? Would they take this off-ramp or would they stick with their branch Covidian base for too long, right? We had those conversations for the first five weeks of the year on this show, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's abundantly clear they are taking the off-ramp. Now, it's Democrats, so their definition of off-ramp may not be the same as ours, but they're going to take some form of an Omicron Omicron off-ramp here. That's without question now. So then the thought occurred to me this morning, you know, maybe the interesting political science exercise is now on the Republican side. What's their message if that happens? On a national level, they have they don't listen to people like Chip Roy and Thomas Massey. So, I mean, they have chosen not to fight this the entire way. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago that McConnell himself said that he still thought Fauci was one of the most trustworthy public servants in the country. So, it's obvious. I mean, Team GOP's plan has been for 30 years here. You just wait for Democrat policies to cause acute suffering and be standing there on election day when people are pissed about it. That's kind of been the GOP plan. On a holistic level, there's been individual exceptions to that. You've seen one of them in Florida, by the way. But uh, really, since the contract with America, the Republicans have not affirmatively won an election. They've only done so by capitalizing on Democrat fatigue slash backlash. So 
I put up a Twitter thread this morning on, on Twitter examining this, and I've posted a copy of it on all my other socials as well. We are going to discuss this more in depth in the overtime today uh, at blazetv.com slash dace. What becomes of the Republicans if Democrats do take this off ramp? Didn't we just say last week on the show that COVID stand has made every domestic controversy and division and malady worse? It's either caused it or made it worse, right? Yeah. Well, then if, if COVID stand is largely gone, or at least the, the COVID stand above the surface is largely gone here in the next 60 to 90 days, doesn't the math work on the other side of the equation then? Yeah. What happens if those things suddenly seem like to a lot of people they're now getting better, right? Right. What's the GOP message then? Is it possible they could blow what looked like going into this year, one of the surest election routes of all time. We will get into that today in the overtime. Why in the overtime? Because there's something else I want to discuss here that I think is even more important and timely. But blazetv.com slash dace. Blazetv.com slash dace. How do I say this carefully? But with clarity. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. The reason the founding fathers gave us a second amendment is because they believed in that principle. I don't believe they will call the military out in Canada. I don't believe they're going to turn the trucker convoy there in Ottawa into a modern day version of Kent State. I don't believe that. And here's why. Because that would violate their own game plan. The reason that Marxism has succeeded in the West is because it followed Antonio Gramsci's prison letters. It, it conducted the long march through the institutions. And Gramsci wrote while in prison by Mussolini, who's like, hey, man, there's only room for one form of authoritarian fascist around here. And that's that name. That badge got my name on it, brother. So to prison with y'all. OK, but but Gramsci's observation was. Unless you're essentially in a complete systemic societal collapse, like the end of the Romanov dynasty in Russia at the turn of the 20th century, unless you are in holistic collapse on a societal level, trying to challenge people with Marxism up front by force doesn't work. It it goes against their nationalistic pride. It goes against their inclinations of freedom and liberty. Instead, you have to take it, you either have to cause a societal downfall. That's the whole Cloward Piven strategy, right? You mm-hmm. overload a system so that people have no alternative but to turn to more government for relief because it's beyond, or they believe it's beyond their own scope to fix, right? That's how you get a Third Reich out of a Weimar Republic. Or the other option that Gramsci suggested is what he called a long march through the institutions. That, that you just over time, incrementally take control of societal institutions that are meant to uphold values opposite of yours and stop a culture from succumbing to your values. <clears throat> and, and you make them your institutions now. You have totally co-opted them now. 
and that this essentially induces the frog in the boiling water strategy. And that little by little over time, the frog, if you just put a frog in water and turn the water all the way up to a boiling temperature, it will do whatever it can to get out. It will sense its survival instinct will take over. It'll sense something is wrong. But if you just turn the dial up a little bit here and there and here and there, <clears throat> um, sooner or later, you get accustomed to it. I've done this with the, I bought a Peloton last month. So I, so I would have to go to the gym less on my cardio days on the coldest days and just work out at my house. First day I did the uh, ACDC ride with Sam Wu. Yeah, I'm feeling this, Sam. Damn near killed me. Okay. Did it again today. It's like the seventh or eighth time I've done that ride. Suddenly, I mean, I'm, I'm sweating worse now because I'm actually <clears throat> able to ride it better than I was when I first started. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I'm not sure what's wrong with my voice today. I was able to ride it better than when I first started. So today I was sweating worse than I ever have on that ride. But I also could feel like I could do the ride better at the same time. There you go. Kind of the frog in the boiling water. First time I'm like, dude, this is going to kill me. Seventh time I did it today. I'm like, <clears throat> man, I'm sweating my rear end off, but feels like I kind of kicked that ride's butt today. Right? Mm -hmm. Frog in the boiling water. And this has been the strategy. They did not co-opt all the institutions in Canada and everywhere else in the West to then have to show their true colors now. <clears throat> if they were to call the military out, if they were to turn this into Kent State, with that video and audio would do, look at what the video and audio of just this level of peaceful protest is doing. What do you think it would do if they went total goose-jack, goose-stepping, jack-booted thug with the whole world watching? Tiananmen Square times 10,000. That's what it would be. But this is also why the Canadian government is cornered. On one hand, they don't want to give in, even though, what is it now, three different provinces have now given in to some degree. The given in, in Alberta looks like a pretty weak given in name only from what I've actually seen. But on some level... They have now had three separate provinces come forward to issue some form of a given. See, the Canadian government is cornered. If it gives in totally, then it has reversed the political paradigm, the trajectory of power in that, in that society. But if it, if it sends out the military, it will do that too. It will do that too. Look what they look what just happened. Look at the video Aaron played. All right, we're going to try to cut off the supply of this. People just showed up in droves with their own gas tanks. They're cornered. The bluff has been called. The people, uh, uh, not the people, a segment of people, I'm guessing a majority of Canadians, by the way, don't even know much about this and probably aren't even in favor of it. That's how people like Justin Trudeau get power. But remember what I've always told you. Elections are not won by winning a majority of the people. Winning a majority of the people that actually show up. They're bringing that government to its knees. Despite its own propaganda. And they're cornered. If they, if they, if they goose step, it will destroy them politically. Because it will, it will, it will call us now to answer them in response. 
It calls us, you take over institutions to keep your enemy complacent because they're the frog in the boiling water. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the stamp tax or the quartering act or the, or, or the tea tax or the sugar tax that called, that called into question Lexington and Bunker Hill or Lexington and Concord. It was when the Redcoats said, hey, we'd kind of like to know where those Minutemen's weapons munitions are because we think we need to confiscate them for safekeeping. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what led to don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. Because the founding fathers were the frogs in a boiling water too. Until the Redcoats stupidly decide to turn the heat up to 11. And now it's on like Garth Brooks, man, the night I called the old man out. It's on now. If they call in the military or go Kent State in Ottawa, that's what will happen there. And they know that and they can't do it. That's why they won't, I don't believe. So they're cornered and they're trying to figure out, is there some clever way, ban honking, is there some clever way we can get out of this without totally showing our ass? The devil doesn't like frontal assaults, guys. He's a backstabber. Similarly, in this country, I don't want to see any more raucous school board meetings. That's 2021, man. You know, we, we were ripping the Republicans yesterday for stop masking kids in school. You're like, hey, man, the summer of 2020 called and wants his talking points back. Right. Remember that? Yeah. OK. No more raucous school board meetings. No more hot moms, hot mama bears dropping trow, dropping a deuce on school boards with a, a viral speech while wearing a mask. Nope. No. Nope. They hate you and they don't fear you. That security guy step into a grown-ass man and dragging his chair away like he's a hall monitor in the seventh grade. I'm going to tell you that. You do this to me right now. I'm breaking my hand in your face. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to teach you what a new hermeneutic on turn the other cheek. I'll turn the other side of the face and try my other hand on that. Back in my, back in my chair away? Um, Alex or Siri, show me, the, show me guys that didn't get swirlied enough in high school. That dude. Private security, dude. No, they don't fear you enough. See, with those Canadian people showing up with those gas tanks, we don't fear you is what they're saying to their government. We don't fear you. We're going to call your bluff. We don't think you have the balls to come at us face to face. No more school board meetings. They hate you. If you can't move the school board and if you can't move the school board in Loudoun County, Virginia out of fear, no. Instead, I want to see convoys of parents dropping their kids off at schools without any masks. Everything's a convoy now. No more speeches. It is time to invoke the words of the great prophet Toby Keith. A little less talk and a lot more action. They don't fear you. And by continuing to comply on any level whatsoever, no matter how mad you get, no matter how eloquent your speeches are, no matter how many people sign your petitions, no matter how many people join your Facebook group where you use code words so you don't get banned, here's how this works. Politics is a game of leverage. Leverage is exercised on a fear calculus. Fear of backlash, fear of losing, fear of imprisonment. Fear of getting caught. Fear of getting exposed. There is no other way to exercise leverage. 
You're not one eloquent speech away from normalcy in your kid's school. You're not. I'm a pretty damn good speechwriter. I've written for some big name people you know. There is no speech to write that's going to make the demonically possessed head of your school board say, you know what, on second thought here, stop choking the kids. Nope. A little less talk and a lot more action. Those kids in that suburban Chicago district that all just walked out without their masks, why didn't their parents drop them off at school six months ago without masks? And not like one or two of you, all of you. See, one or two people show up with a gas can in Ottawa, they're getting arrested, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when hundreds of them do it? Are they going to arrest them all? No, because no, they're afraid of a Kent State. They're afraid of a Tiananmen Square. They don't want that on their hands. That's why they co-opted the institutions. But what happens when we call the bluff? Let's find out. Let's find out. No more speeches. Bluff calling or go home. Bluff calling or go home. The time for speeches is at an end. And the time for action is now here. Buy, sell, or hold is next. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Before we get to buy, sell, or hold, I want to read you something, Todd, if you don't mind. Um, my name is Matt Clark, and I am the strength and conditioning coach for track and cross country at the University of Arkansas. Whoa. Originally from Ames, I'm a native Iowan. Former Iowa high school state and Drake Relays champion in track and field. Did you know this? No. Okay. I continue to follow Iowa high school track. I've been a listener of your shows uh, since your days on 1040 WHO in Des Moines before I moved to Arkansas. I can't help but think that God had his hand in inspiring this message. While listening to last Thursday's program, I heard you all discuss Todd's daughter's op-ed in the Des Moines Register and how she would be attending the University of Arkansas for track and soccer in the fall. I had to stop the audio and replay it just to be sure I heard that correctly. As a strength coach, I sometimes miss updates when our recruits commit to us. So I actually learned that I'll be Ainsley's strength coach next year by listening to your show. I quickly searched for the piece she wrote, the piece in the Cedar Rapids Gazette that she was responding to, and I watched your overtime session where you all discussed it more in depth. After all of this, I felt compelled to share my thoughts with you, so here we go. First, embarrassment. What a shameful indictment of our culture that, that kids like Ainsley are now saddled with the burden of defending such an unbearably obvious truth. That is very well said, by the way. The issue could be settled in five seconds if logic and reason could prevail over the fear of optics. But too many otherwise reasonable people have quietly acquiesced to the cult of the woke, and as a society, we've thrown our children to the wolves to fend for themselves. Here we are living in this aftermath. Second, hope. Todd, you should be incredibly proud of who your daughter has become, not just for the research she did and the points she made, 
but for her willingness to stand on an island and take arrows when it means standing up for the truth. Seeing a high school student make such eloquent make such an eloquent stand against what is wrong is encouraging, and I think we'll find she inspires many more to speak the truth in the future. We know the woke mob to be the enemy of truth, <clears throat> but as my pastor recently said, it is better to be right by yourself than wrong in a crowd. Steve mentioned how she would be outing herself by writing the piece and that she's going to face a different level of scrutiny than she's ever had the rest of her life. He's right. That piece is going to have her name attached to it for the rest of her life. But it's clear that she's the adult in the room when comparing her statements to the empty calls for help feigned by the girls' athletic union. Ainsley should wear it proudly, but she shouldn't have to bear that burden alone when she comes to Arkansas. So I will out myself, too. I'm a former Division I All-American in track and field. I'm a strength coach who works with men and women, and I've trained four NCAA championship teams, a dozen male and female Olympians, and world championship and Olympic medalists. This is who will be training your daughter. Several of the school records she cited are from athletes I have worked with. I also happen to have a degree in biology. I can say with absolute certainty that every point Ainsley made is correct. Men and boys should not be allowed to compete as women and girls, period. Bodies are what compete, not identities. Very well said. This incessant need to distort reality and conform it to the delusions of a small group is a grotesque assault on what is true and good. This isn't a complicated issue as those in the media and others skilled in prevarication would have us believe. We don't need to validate a skewed self-image or reward political pandering, especially when the victims of allowing boys into girls' locker rooms and sports teams are the vulnerable young girls themselves. As she mentioned in her piece, the only real impact this really only impacts female athletes. Girls who transition to boys are still at a significant physical disadvantage. That is why most continue to compete as females after transitioning. But even the most widely acknowledged drug-enhanced female track athletes from the 1980s wouldn't beat your average high school boy state champion across the nation. Last year, 1,148 men's and boys equaled or bettered the personal best in the 100-meter dash of the Tokyo Women's Olympic champion. 1,148 high school boys ran better than the number one sprinter at the Tokyo Olympics. Despite this, many organizations across the nation have abandoned rational thinking and are allowing men who pretend to be women to prey upon female athletes by stealing victories, experiences, and opportunities from them. If ever there was an example of the fabled patriarchal oppression of women and girls, this would actually be it. Third, It was inspired. If Ainsley is willing to take a stand, so should I. She's already been called a bigot and a transphobe on social media. Parents everywhere should all be chomping at the bit to do what we can do to protect kids and reverse the trajectory we are on in this culture war. If Ainsley has the courage to speak the truth on a platform like the Des Moines Register, then I can do more. I care about the future for my four-year-old daughter, two-year-old son, and baby on the way. I care about ending the intimidation and censorship that allows this current strand of cultural rot to infect every facet of society. Most of all, I care about the truth. Contrary to popular opinion, I maintain that it isn't kind to indulge delusion, and it isn't loving to lie. I won't stand by and watch my children inherit the aftermath of our cowardice and apathy. In the words of our mutual friend Dan Bongino, I'm here for the fight. Count me in. I look forward to working with Ainsley in the fall. Matt Clark. I'm going to have a hard time keeping uh, it together. But 
in the first half hour of this show, I took a, uh, there was a call coming from my daughter's high school, uh, and it has to do with the level of harassment that you've dealt with, uh, that has been nonstop since she uh, wrote it coming from the members of the LGBT club there. And it kind of rose to a head yesterday, uh, where, uh, I had to get involved. So I'd imagine they're calling me and I'll take it after the show. Uh, about just what we're going to do, because I gave them yesterday the speech that Steve just gave you all. said, I'm beyond words. Things are going to get done around here, and you're going to do them now. And I prepared my daughters for all of this from a young age, doing the right thing. You don't always get results right away. It's lonely sometimes. Uh, And they've been tough as nails, and I'm so, so proud of them. But you can see it hurts. But here right now, Matt, uh, that felt like Captain America. On your left. On your left. That's exactly what it felt like. And I thank you for that, brother. And I'm going to be down there next, uh, this coming Easter uh, with my family uh, for Ainsley's involvement uh, on the soccer side of things. And let's connect. And I want to shake your hand and buy you a beer and say thank you. Uh, it's clear uh, as a family we've made uh, the right choice. And it uh, keep it going from here. Uh, I needed that. Uh, I'm pretty tough too. But that never hurts, man. Uh, that never hurts. And you got me. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad the camera wasn't on me when it was Steve was uh, reading that. Uh, this it. Everybody's got to step forward. Everybody has got to step forward and simply say... Enough of the new stupid math. One plus one equals two. That's it. Thank you, Matt. And it's a perfect follow-up. You know, I I told you yesterday that I had an email I wanted to read for you before we got to buy, sell, or hold. I had no idea I was going to make the point I made at the end of the first segment when I told you that yesterday. I had no idea that this was going to be how I was going to open the show today. But in many respects, it is the perfect segue. We have to do more than talk. And we have to be willing to take a stand. And we have to be willing to say no. No, I'm not going to comply with this. In the last two weeks, a convoy in a country that frankly I thought was lost to history. I did. I said this on the show. I thought the country was lost to history. A pluralistic convoy from a country I thought was lost to history. That'll teach me as a Christian, yet again, be very hesitant about just giving up on things, okay? You know, um, a God who's conquered the last enemy, death. Be a lot more patient when it comes to just, I'm about to give up on my voice today. Now I'm about to give up on that, okay? Pardon me again, but um, actually... In my defense, I had it totally back until I could see you getting choked up out of the corner of my eye. And then I was trying to stop myself from getting choked up because that's what dudes do. And now I lost my voice again. <laughs> All right. But um, 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 I got to gather my train of thought. Oh, Canada. Yeah. Be careful about writing things off, man. Even when it looks like exceedingly obvious. Just be careful with that. But a convoy in a country that we thought, I thought, was lost to history. 
has done more damage to COVID stand in about two weeks than anything we have been able to accomplish in about two years. And why? Because they refused to comply. That's why. And they called the bluff. And they said, let's, let's find out. Let's find out. What Matt did by sending a letter like that and not ending it with, please don't use my name, it would risk my job. He's going to call. This is this will get coverage. I'd be shocked if it didn't. Won't be immediate, but maybe some, somewhere down the line. Someone will be like, someone who monitors shows like this, hey, University of Arkansas, did you know you had a transphone bigot on your on your coaching staff? Let's call the bluff. Let's let's see them cancel at the University of Arkansas. A national champion, Olympic champion trainer over the idea that men are men and women are women. <clears throat> and here's the thing, if they do and it work and that float and that flies in a state like Arkansas. And I can't pick up a phone and make a phone call to a woman who's likely the next governor who used to get us donuts when her dad was running for president and say, you're going to let this go on in your backyard. And if the answer is yes, now you know. Yes, you do. You know. And here's what you also know then. All the traditional means of doing something about this are out the window. But at least now we have clarity, right? Yep. See, what the reason we are losing right now, holistically, is we lack clarity. Some of us think the system is too far gone to do anything to accomplish anything. Some of us think that we have to be prisoners to the system. Uh, I'm kind of in, in both cases. I think it's... I think the system is too far gone, but there are still peaceable means confrontationally within the system to push it. And the convoy in Canada is proving this. But whichever of those camps you rely on, or you currently consider your home tribe, the reason those camps exist is we have a lack of clarity. goes back to what I said yesterday about a convention of states. The only reason to fear a convention of states at this point is if you don't think that, frankly, we're up to the task. By golly, what could they do? <clears throat> what, what could they do to hijack that convention that we're not already discussing and debating? Do you know? I mean, what, what, what is it we could do? I mean, let, let's, you know, what is it? Cultural displacement, we're doing that. Erasing of borders, we're doing that. Uh, you, you can't breathe, we're doing that. I, I mean, seriously, what would they do that we're not already, un, that we're, they're not already doing? The only reason you don't trust it is you don't trust us. And that's why a lot of people are afraid of clarity. Because clarity leads to Conviction. Once you have clarity, then your bluff has been called. Your bluff has been called. Say, don't give any more speeches to school boards. Either start recalling the school board, running yourself, or defying them, or all three. No more speeches. No more. Clarity. It's clarity time. A lot of us don't like clarity. This whole thing now, don't weigh me when I go to the doctor. 
I don't like clarity. Don't give me clarity. Clarity is frightening because clarity leads to conviction. That's the problem people have with Christianity. Jesus doesn't say, I'm a way, a truth, and a life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one's sins are atoned except through me. Singular. That's problematic. For if that's true, that means everything else is not to some degree, right? Yep. That's problematic. Clarity. Now, Jesus could be wrong. He could be wrong. Or he could be right. But he can't be anything in between. Clarity. Clarity is frightening. We don't like clarity because it causes conviction. And conviction is risky. Because sometimes, like you say to your daughters, sometimes you act on a righteous conviction and in this fallen world you still lose. And that's a true test of one's conviction and faith. Thanks for that, man. You're welcome. I didn't expect that that would go that long. And so we'll have one segment short fantastic. of the overtime. Uh, or I'm sorry, of uh, buy, sell, or hold today. So my apologies. But the only way out of this is through, guys. The only way out of this is through. Democrats are prepared to give us an all clear in the next few weeks, but they're going to leave the entire superstructure of COVID stand in place. Did you hear what the butcheress from Planned Parenthood said on CNN yesterday? Well, we've got to follow the data here and get rid of the masks so that we can leave this precedent in place for if we need it again in the future. And if we keep acting on things that clearly the data doesn't line up with, then people won't trust us and we won't have that power anymore. Right? Yep. Yeah. This is not a time for he was a good king of Israel, but he failed to tear down the high places. This is a time for Josiah's. Who are given clarity. Hey, this is the book of the law and we're not following it. Clarity, clarity leads to conviction. So Josiah's got a choice. I can be like the rest of my predecessors who left these shrines to these fallen and fake demonic entities in the temple. Or after I'm done purifying, I go on offense and I start defiling their temples. Which one did he choose? The latter. And that's why he was arguably the last of Israel's greatest kings. A little less talk and a lot more action. And greetings back with our two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd and Aaron McIntyre. And all of you, you know how much equity do you have in your home? Don't find out the hard way. Can you imagine if a cyber criminal stole that equity and no one told you until it was too late? All those years of that investment and savings gone. The FBI calls it home title fraud. 
That's why you want to go to HomeTitleLock.com. They are America's leader in home title protection. Uh, The problem here is that uh, the deeds to our home is really the only thing that often can prove we own it. And then a lot of times these are often kept online where they are now hackable in minutes. A competent uh, scam artist, hacker, criminal can forge your name off the deed to your home and then refile as the new owner. I know it sounds fantastical. But I've seen people that this has actually happened to, and they even, I was skeptical. I had them walk me through the process, and I was like, wow. Um, First of all, i got to get a better signature. You guys actually forged it too well, (laughs) okay? So if you want to make sure this doesn't happen to you, HomeTitleLock.com is where you want to go. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title, so the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down and protect your most important asset. Head over to HomeTitleLock.com. You can head over to Facebook and Twitter if you want to follow us there at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Steve Dace on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can also go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show to get clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of censorship. If you are a podcast listener, we appreciate you so much. Please show your appreciation for us if you've yet to do so. Leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if whichever one of those two applies to whichever podcast platform that you enjoy. Thank you to all of you that have done that for us already because you've played a huge role in the continued growth and success of this show. So uh, we appreciate you and we thank you very much. At the bottom of the hour, we will get to the weekly profit of woe and lamentation. But now it is time for buy, sell, or hold once a week. Right now, in fact, Aaron, with some help with from you, friends in the audience, we'll throw you and I's way, Todd. No topic is off limits. A series of predictions and prophecies or even a topical list on various subject matter. You and I will decide, are we going to buy that? Are we selling that? Maybe even if you guys are lucky, we'll throw in a really good reason why that's the case. If you're lucky, I'll only throw in one good reason. I tend to throw in like 14. Okay. Uh, and then once per episode... Once per episode, if you use a hold, punk out, and use the hold for any reason other than, wow, that's that's terrible and lame, you will have to give Mitch McConnell gender reassignment surgery. Hmm. That's... Sold to the man in the cold that, sweat. Hey, that had nothing to do with Lindsey Graham. I got a little spring in my step, actually. I'll consider I think, it. I think you have to take uh, Dr. Nell's lady man out to dinner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, you ruined it. You made it terrible again. All right. I should also mention that uh, by Southern Hold, one of our favorite subjects or segments each week, brought to you by Scoremaster. They urge you to take advantage of the three-week rule. When it comes to uh, getting involved with a loan, whether it's auto, home, mortgage, refi, uh, either one of those home uh, kinds of loans or a business loan, especially right now, because uh, the Fed is signaling sometime in March they're going to raise interest rates. So a lot of people want to get in before those rate increases hit. But do you know in about three weeks, the average ScoreMaster user can raise their credit score about 60 points? I used ScoreMaster last year to help get my score as high as I could to get an obscenely low interest rate for the refi that uh, we did in the fourth quarter of last year. So I know for sure, I've used it myself, that this is empowering information that works. They show you exactly why you have the credit score you have and then exactly how you can get to the credit score you want. Takes just minutes to find out what your plan is and then decide if you want to sign up to follow that plan. Go to scoremaster.com slash Steve just to check it out. scoremaster.com slash Steve. 
Let us begin with Rowdy Introvert, who says by month end, the medical establishment will claim the pandemic ended thanks to the vaccinated, citing the likelihood that the mild Omicron mutated in those who received the vaccine. The media will constantly remind us the sacrifice the vaccinated uh, made to end the pandemic. Is there a metaphysical certitude button? Or are yeah. we just going to go with buy? Because right, to me, buy is not a strong enough term for the gaslighting that you have correctly deduced is forthcoming henceforth. So buy in, uh, in the strongest sense of the term. Yes. Even though the truth says that we should be far more skeptical of medicine and vaccines in general. I think we all know that the magical power of vaccines is now going to be sold as being stronger than ever before. Next, we'll go to Matt S. Ted Cruz will endorse Alan West for Texas governor, while John Cornyn will endorse Abbott before the March 1st primary, more clearly drawing lines between old and new GOP. Uh, absolute sell. In fact, I think Ted has an agreement. He he did when I worked for him, I, and I've not heard anything that doesn't say it's no longer in place that he doesn't endorse against incumbent Republicans. So, um, hmm, well, absolute sell. I have no reason to argue against that. Tyler Brown says the GOP should promise that if they win control of Congress, they will create a congressional committee to specifically investigate the infiltration of the U.S. government by Chinese Communist Party interests in the same manner of the 1940s House Un-American Activities Committee. I don't know that I would brand it that way because I think that that kind of branding, while I would be for for it, kind of Mm -hmm. plays into the other side's messaging. But with those that kind of a spirit, I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. Bye. Next, we go to Great Pacific Garbage Patch Kid, who says, Top five World Series of the 80s. Number five, Dodgers over Yankees, 1981. See, that doesn't do anything for me right away. Does it do anything for you right away? Well, it's the first World Series I remember watching any of. I don't remember watching... As famous as it is, Tug Graw in 80, do you remember watching yeah. that? Do you? I would say I, the first one I can, I, I was in a baseball before any other sport. First one I can remember is the Orioles and the Pirates in 79, all right? Um, with the, you know, I loved this, that song, We Are Family with mm-hmm. Sister Sledge. Oh, I loved yeah. that song as a little kid. That was kind of the Pirates motif. I loved the, the you know, the uh, Kent to Colby era uniform that they wore back then. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one that I can remember. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know why that that just doesn't resonate with me. So I will sell. I think it might be up there just because it's a classic. I mean, it's Yankees Dodgers. That's about as blue blood as you can get. But they also played like three times in that era, didn't they? Didn't they play like three times in that era? There was there was the, there was the other time that they in the, between the late seventies and oh, eighty one then they play yeah. like three times. There were several times. Yeah, because there was so. the one where the, the frame where Reggie had the three home run game right in one of those World yeah. Series. So I'm going to sell on that one. Number four, Phillies over Royals, 1980. Well, that's the Tug McGraw reference that you just kind of just made. Okay, famous. So, again, I'm going to sell on that one. Wow. Yeah, Uh, I'm going to sell on that one. I'm trying to think on the fly here what we're missing. Keep the list up. Well, if you're you're asking me on a memorable 80s World Series, there's an obvious one missing that I'm going to put on the list. But go ahead. Number three is Mets over Red Sox, 1986. To me, that has to be number one. Number two, Cardinals over Brewers, 1982. This is, I mean, coming to life. I'm 
I'm tw- I'm 10 years old when my team is in the World Series, so that's in my my t- personal t- top five. And no. it was a great series. It went to seven games. Yeah, number one Royals over Cardinals in 1985. One of the most controversial yes. umpire Dan, calls Dan ever. Dickinger, awesome. Yeah, I, I so so the '86 series with the Mets. <clears throat> pardon me again and the Red Sox should be number one in fact you can make an argument it might be the greatest World Series of all time okay it's certainly in that conversation we're missing, we're missing yours the Tigers in so that would be on my list like this 82 one would be on your list 83 how is, do you not have 88 with was, the Dodgers and, and the A's oh, yeah, for well, that, game one just by yeah. itself I was and one of the one of the greatest yeah. finishes in the history of American sports Kirk Gibson I don't believe what I just saw Kirk Gibson coming out of the clubhouse with half a half an arm yes all right against at the time the first I mean right there we know today that we call Goose Gossage a closer today mm-hmm. he was just a reliever back then yeah the first true ninth inning even Raleigh Fingers was just a yeah. reliever back then yeah the first true specialized the guy that comes in in the ninth one, two, three, three outs and good night. Drive home safely was Dennis Eckersley, I sure. think, with those ace teams, right? Sure. And he comes in with Eck at the height of his power when he'd have incre- They didn't have whip as a stat at that time. If they had it, his numbers would be like a video game. Okay. And he comes in with one arm and hits that home run. Oh, yeah. Just that moment alone. I know that series only went five games, but that moment alone, that has to be on the list. I would put the 87 World Series with the Twins and the Cardinals on the list. That's the first yes. time a team won the World Series without winning a home game. All the game or road game. All the games were won at home. All right. And then and that was the first time we truly saw the Metrodome, that old Metrodome kind of come alive. I think that's got to be on the list. I think yes. the A's Dodgers has to be on the list. I think Royals, I'm sorry, I think uh Mets Red Sox has to be number 1 and I've got to put my 84 Tigers on that list. Who's but that's 89? my personal call. Well, that's the earthquake. A lot oh, of people would say, how do you gi- not put that on the that's list? The Giants, that's the Giants and the A's. Series. That's the Earthquake World Series. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, other than that, it was a fairly thin World Series. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That was a walk down uh, memory that lane. That was a fun walk down memory None of my lane. memories, because yeah. I wasn't alive then, but that was fun, nevertheless. Uh, Grima 686 says, <laughs> top five guitarists of the 1980s. <laughs> uh, number five, Angus Young. Bye. Needs to be higher. In my opinion. Well, okay, that's that we're talking. That's ACDC for the uninitiated. But bye. Okay. Uh, number four, Prince needs to be higher, much higher. Uh, you could make a case he's number one. You Just could make a, a case pure, he's number one. Pure guitarist. But so. I'm okay with yeah. the list so far, so yeah. I'll buy. Yeah. Number three, Slash. I have to sell. There's no way Slash is a better guitarist than Angus Young and Prince. I got to sell. I'll, I'll keep them on here just because once you get in the top five, it's sliding, you know, here and there, but. No one is like, how is he even there so far? This is fun. Eddie Van Halen. Of course. I mean, a lot of people would put him number one. Yeah. Maybe number one all time. So I'm fine with that. I love, I wouldn't put Randy Rhodes number one. Who's Randy Rhodes? But I love the snobbery of of who, of, of, of yeah. putting him there. So Randy Rhodes was the original guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, okay. All right? And for yeah. those of us who were devotees of Guitar Hero in the last, in, 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 in the previous decade, I can I can personally attest I can play I could play all these other guys' music. All right? The song that it took me the absolute longest to learn how to play on Guitar Hero was Randy Rhodes' opening riff to Crazy Train and Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, it took like figuring out how to beat Mike Tyson's punch out. I mean, I'd come home from work 
put the kids to bed. I was down in the basement for like three hours a night. I had to master this. I could not master uh, Crazy Train to the point. And I, now, once I mastered it, I've not heard the song in like five years because I got so damn sick of it playing it over and over and over and over and over again. So I love the idea that you put Randy Rhodes there. It's a kind of a Jack Black and high fidelity kind of snob pick. And I totally respect it. Wouldn't be my number one, but I respect the snobby, uh, the snobbery of the pick. So I'll buy. Yeah, good lists. Yeah, good lists. We have an interesting list now. Tyler Morgan has the top ten gifts or gifs, depending on whether or not it was a full moon last night. The top ten gifts used by the show on Twitter. Number ten, Spanish laughing guy. This is the guy who's just beside himself laughing. Have you seen that video before? I've used that a few times. Okay, I'm not familiar with that one. I, I probably am. I just can't think of it offhand. You would you would okay. recognize it? I okay, think. all right. Um, number nine, Elmo Flames. That's Todd's jam. That he loves the Elmo higher. Flames. That needs yeah. to be much higher. Yeah. Uh, Ralph from The Simpsons. Well, the, See, to me, The Simpsons one is is the bush. is the is is Homer retreating into the oh, bushes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's the better Simpsons yeah. one. So yes. I got to sell on that one. Uh, number seven, Hulk smashing yes. Loki. I know you like that times. one a lot. Yeah. Uh, speechless Malcolm from Firefly. I don't know that one. Oh, that's the uh, when the guy's about to make a point. Oh, okay. Oh, and because there's no, he's pointing out that you're, okay. you you yeah. just yes. contradicted yep. your own self with self awareness. I use that one a that's lot. A okay. One. Yeah. 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 Um, have you ever watched Firefly? Oh, I, I tried getting I, into it. That was, was like one, one of Joss season. Whedon's early yeah. series. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. The first season. Uh, Dwight, it's true. I, I use that yep. a ton. Yep. Uh, Captain America salute. Yep. You use that one a lot. Yeah. Pepsi science guy. I mean, that's my new jam that's, right now. Yeah. yeah. It is yours. Yes. Yep. Uh, last dance locker room guy. Which one is I that? I don't know what that one is. Do you know what that one is? I don't know what that one is. Okay. That's number two. Jack Nicholson nodding. Nodding. Yeah. I use the Jack Nicholson from anger management nod. That I, I, I use that when I think the appropriate amount of radicalization is taking place. That's when I use it. So, yes. Uh, next, we'll go to Jim Bicknell, Good who list. has another list for us. Worst Chevy Chase movies. Now, how did he narrow this one down? Worst. <laughs> because this guy has a brilliant f- a list of a few movies, and the rest of them you're like, nah. It's, like it's kind of like the Nicolas Cage of comedy. There is an elite list of, of films in his filmography from a comedy perspective, and then there's all the rest of them. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 Have you guys seen what Nicolas Cage's new movie is that comes out in a few weeks? Mm, I He's don't know. playing himself. Oh, yeah. He is playing yeah. himself. And I got to tell you, it reminds me of that 90s movie, Being John Malkovich. Do you remember that? Oh, I've seen okay. the trailer for this. Amy and I saw the trailer for this when yes. we went and saw the Moonfall movie. And, and, we looked at each other after it was over and goes, and we were like, that looks so dumb, but I'm absolutely intrigued. Yeah, yeah. no, I was, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, Cops and Robertsons. Don't even remember wow. it, so obviously. Now, this, this list is off to a great start. Yeah. Yes, bye. Man of the House. See, these are movies I wouldn't even bring myself to watch. Haven't yes. heard of it. Yeah. Um, Memoirs of the Invisible Man. I've heard of that. Never saw it. See, I've heard and of all of these, but new, I just never brought my, could bring myself to watch them. So, bye. Vegas Vacation. That was dreadful. Yeah. I, I tried watching that a few times. That is Trek. Yeah. Caddyshack 2. Is he, I've not, is he in it? Yeah. He's a, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, it, it is considered an infamous sequel, right? But I kind of feel like it doesn't belong on the list of movies. Oh, I wouldn't wait, even bring Caddyshack myself to. Caddyshack 2 is the one where like Jackie Gleason is in it and yes. he turns it into like a mini golf course. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And then yeah. we've got Snow Day. So that, yeah, that was terrible. 
The but dude, the dude see, has. But the, then how many were, were there? Six or seven? I yeah. mean, the six or seven that we would put up there. Sure. That, I mean, yeah. I, the amount of times I've quoted movies like I mean, Three the, Amigos the, and Spies Like sure. Us, I'll take it. It's all ball bearings these yes. days. I'm, I'm feeling you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Elliot Evans says, in order to defeat leftist government and corporations, conservatives need to be less like Reagan and more like Teddy Roosevelt. So I know that this is a major thing right now, particularly within MAGA world. Okay. And that MAGA world is really big on Teddy Roosevelt. So here's my issue with that, though. Because there are some traits that, dude, the guy once got shot in the chest by a would-be assassin, announced it to the audience from the back of a train, and continued on with his speech. That is a true story. <laughs> okay. Believe me, there are some... There are, we're talking about one of the greatest living Americans of all time yeah. and Teddy Roosevelt. There is no question about that. There is, there is no question that there are inclinations of his that we would be wise to absorb into our current political activism, right? Yes. But there are also some things, though, that I think we would find troubling. Like, I have no, I, I grew up a Reagan baby, guys. I have no problem telling you that the Reagan amnesty of 86 is one of the worst policies ever done in the 20th century. It wrecked the state of California and set the stage for the Californication that we see today. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I get concerned when, though, one era is willing to look duly credit duly skeptical and um affirming of another era's hero but then not willing to do so on their own okay a lot of the small p progressive stuff that we're fighting against today did originate with teddy roosevelt roosevelt considered himself a progressive now it meant something different to him than it meant to woodrow wilson in that era but in his politics would been would have been more in line with mitt romney's or John McCain's. Seriously. In fact, Roosevelt came out of retirement. Yet a true, a true right-wing president in Taft. And Roosevelt came out of retirement to run as a bull moose third party specifically to sabotage him, which is what gave us the Woodrow Wilson presidency, guys. That's, you know, that's the boogeyman presidency that we all on the right say is the is the genesis origin of all modern left left progressive infiltration of right. America's institutions. Right. right. Was the election of Woodrow Wilson. Right. Yes. Right. Roosevelt gave birth to that. He opened the, the, the door for that. So I'm perfectly fine saying it's garbage. They got rid of his statue outside the Museum of Natural History. I admire him as a great American. There are several attributes we should emulate. But this idea that that we should now go from the party of Reagan to the party of, of Teddy, I might slow my roll on that one a little bit, okay? Because I, by the way, and I do think many of the arguments that Reagan made were great for the era in which he lived, but do not apply to the era in which we live today. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think Reagan would not know what to do with a corporate America that is just openly funding Mark, the Marxism he's trying to defeat. Because Reagan came from an era where companies like Pepsi and General Electric paid him to speak out against Marxism before he got into politics. That's what he did. Right. All right. So he came from, he coming from, he's coming from a totally different area. Wouldn't know what to do with that. I agree with that. 
But understand that some of the some of the 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 origins of the things about the GOP that you despise to this day, public private partnerships, economic development, which is just crony capitalism by another name, the fact that the government owns too much land, right? A lot of this originated with Teddy Roosevelt. So I'm I'm just not in a hurry to trade in one ex post facto retconned hero for another, if that makes sense. I would certainly emulate some of his tendencies for sure, particularly from the masculine variety. All right. But I, I'd be very careful about adopting his ideology whole cloth. So I'm going to sell. Uh, I, that was a fantastic, fantastic answer. But I do think uh, the point, I think that you're trying to highlight there that I absolutely agree with. So I'll give you the buy on that is that, you know, Reagan's uh, basically was talking about, smaller government let the free market go and he did it for very healthy reasons because he thought he could rely on a healthy system for making the teddy roosevelt instinct is that the free market is choking itself and it's sick and it's in need of a house cleaning the kind that teddy roosevelt uh helped bring to bear so you have a point and it's worth a discussion that obviously Steve gave it a, a fantastic answer for. I mean, look at a little thing like football. One of my favorite Twitter accounts is Old Time Football and Super Seventy Sports. Those two yeah, accounts, yeah, yeah. and the and 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 we're talking about the the feminization of football and everything else. You know, the first person was that stepped forward and said football is too violent, guys. And you got to start regulating yourself. Do you know who it was? It was Teddy Roosevelt, guys. Okay. Now again. Imagine what too violent must have meant to the guy that commanded the Rough Riders, right? But it's relative to the era in which he lived. Those tendencies and precedents, when put in place, end up with the the sort of gatekeeper expert class of of government that you have just a a couple of generations later. By the way, this tweet I just got from a guy named uh, the Tyler Morgan. Buy, sell, or hold. Nicholas Cage is playing himself in every movie he's in. The good ones are just well-written ones, <laughs> or well-written versions. That's well. That's well done. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. All right, uh, we'll move on to Jess Maria, who says Democrats state-level push to remove religious exemptions to vaccinations, like childhood ones, will be renewed this legislative se- season. Uh, this will begin the process of removing them for adults as well. Uh, bye. Yeah. Um, they're going to take the Omicron off ramp, but the jab is, is they're going to, I mean, the, the branch Covidian love of the jab will be pried from their cold, dead fingers. That battle is going to continue on. Correct. Long after the masks are gone and everything's reopened and you're sitting in a full stadium and your kids are sitting in a full classroom, like nothing ever happened, they're still going to be trying to get control of your bodily autonomy. Count on it. Yep. Next is Brad Epley. Metallica's version of Turn the Page is better than Bob Seger's. You know, I was just, I think I texted you guys the other day. There's just too many people walking around these days that don't know what it's like to get your ass beat. All right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Um, I I don't even want to dignify that with a cell. You cannot ask a guy who hosts who grew up in the state of Michigan, you cannot ask that host, hey, what do you think of the uh, the the karaoke version of a Bob Seger song? Do you think that's better? No. No. It's it's not better at all. So sell. I will sell, but it is a good, it's a very good cover. I didn't say it. See, no, if, you, no, if I, you just would have said, 
it's one of the best covers in modern times that have been totally okay with it. But you had to come off the top rope, okay, against one of the Great Lakes State's greatest all-time citizens. And I just, I cannot permit that. Because I also believe he has the most underrated song catalog in the history of American pop music. I do. I think I think it's just, you know, the way that we used to do pop charts and stuff in the, in the 70s and 80s is different than how we did it, we do it today. Um, and I think that if we did it the way that back then we did it today, we didn't have gatekeepers and radio where your song's six minutes, we're not playing on an FM radio. If you look at album sales, for example, Led Zeppelin's a very similar story. Led Zeppelin had one hit hit the top 20 of the Billboard charts. One. Whole lot of love. They sold more albums than any other artist in the decade of the 1970s. So we just we just kept records of what were hit singles different now, uh, different back then. Mm-hmm. If we did it the way we did it today, Bob Seger would have had like ten or eleven number one songs. I, I would his his song catalog, stem to stern, is one of the best in American pop music history. It just often goes overlooked. Next, we go to Shaul, who says Canada will lead the world to individual freedom. It's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into some more in the overtime, so I'm going to buy. One of the reasons, I believe that trucker convoy is one of the reasons the Democrats are accelerating the Omicron off-ramp. Because they know they're about five minutes away from one of those happening here in the yeah. U.S. Now they're cornered. Yeah. So so get out ahead of your trucker convoy and give the people their freedom back, and then you don't have to wrestle with what the boy king in Canada is cornered with right now. So Bye. bye. Next is Jack Jennings, who says masks on planes will continue until late summer, early fall to give the Democrats a final plea for reprieve in November. Sell. Sooner than that. Yeah, I think the mask will be gone sooner than that, too. This one on planes, too. Yes, I am. I'm obviously more skeptical of all of this in you. I'm going to buy on this and I buy hoping that you're right, because if this one goes down, this one to me says that there really, really is hope that this thing is gone for good. Because to me, the ma- the kids in the school is the number one. That's the, you know, inner, that's the 12th ring of hell of, of the mass cult where Judas Iscariot lives, okay? Is the masking of the kids in school. If they're already talking about getting rid of that, then getting rid of masks on planes, which has, where every plane has already refiltered air, that to me is a hop, skip, and a jump from that. To me, that one is so <clears throat> nakedly craven and political and it certainly has its neurotic part too but if they get rid of it of the planes i mean that's a place where we're legitimately i mean they talk about the best filtration system but Mm -hmm. we're all sitting for an extended period of time in a tight space in a tin can if they really get rid of that and not holding it there over our heads um that'll be a blessing next we go to plant-based centered life Mount Rushmore of Brad Pitt movies. Really difficult for me to pick an order, but I'll do it for the sake of this. Descending Order, seven. Certainly belongs on the list. Yeah. Inglorious, I don't know if we can say that word on the air. I've never seen it, so I I can't speak to it. Yeah, I'm going to sell, because we only have four, and I don't think it's top four. Fight Club. Absolutely belongs on the list. Pardon me, one of the best movies of the 90s. Yep, absolutely belongs on the list. And Snatch. Never seen it. Mm, yeah, I haven't seen it. That's <clears throat> I'm gonna need a different different list. I Are love you, Brad Pitt though. He's a he's an underrated actor. I, I, I agree. I agree. He's an underrated actor. I'll tell you what a Brad Pitt movie that belongs in that list that you guys will laugh at me for is uh, Interview with the Vampire. That is a tremendous film <laughs> and a tremendous adaptation 
uh, of those books. I used to be really into that stuff. But that is a tremendously well-made film, and he's terrific in it. Uh, so that belongs on the list, I think. Uh, five by four says Democrats will somehow eliminate the electoral college within the next 16 years. <clears throat> I'm going to sell because I think it's one of those things that America has eliminated and then, and then the electoral college goes. See what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. That, that we, we disappear and then it, it, I don't think it predates our disappearance. It's a result of it. Yeah. Bye. Next is the Mallard reborn, uh, who says the hideous strength by CS Lewis predicted the spirit of the age Better than Orwell or Huxley did. Have you ever read that that hideous? I've not strength? read that one. No. Okay. So I've I've got to pass. Added to the uh, the list. Have you read that? Tom? No. No. Uh, let's see. Samuel Adams says Steve is to cookie dough as Aaron is to pork butt as Todd is to vinegar. That's a great way to end it right there. Nailed it. Perfect. Oh, I'll accept it. Yeah. You agree with that one, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. All right, good stuff. Um, We've got the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. Uh, He's going to be joining us here in a moment, and we're going to talk to him about watching the breathtaking amount of gaslighting as Democrats head over in droves to that Omicron off-ramp and what it might mean for that little event we call an election later this year. We'll get into that here when we come back. We don't get to do this too often anymore, so when the opportunity presents itself to do business with somebody who you know shares our values, we should take full advantage of it. And one way we can do that with a product pretty much every one of us needs to have to uh, to survive or thrive in modern America is a mobile phone, and that's where Patriot Mobile comes in. They're America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They give you all the same network coverage that the big boys use. I can personally attest to this. Our family made the switch last October and didn't see any difference in signal or coverage that we were getting for 20 years with T-Mobile. We even were able to upgrade our phones and get a plan that was customized for our family. So I know that they can do this for you as well. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you call to make the switch because they'll give you even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else right now, you can get a free activation with the offer code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, offer code DACE, Get a free activation from our friends over at Patriot Mobile when you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Dace, PatriotMobile.com slash Dace, or call them 972-PATRIOT and give them the uh, promo code Dace when you do at 972-PATRIOT. Let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend, the one and only Daniel Horowitz. It's good to see you, brother. How are you? We're doing all right, Steve. Coming up on two years. It is. And about two years ago, we watched in about a 72-hour period, the Democrats take a dead political carcass known as Joe Biden, put out a code red in Order 66, just in time for Super Tuesday, completely, all their messaging across all their platforms, everything changed. And it was, they leveraged everything they had all in for Joe Biden. And it was like Ezekiel bringing dry bones to life, brother, or Lazarus being called out of a tomb. Suddenly, Joe Biden, in 72 hours, went from dead as a doornail uh, to uh, presumptive Democrat nominee. He's winning convincingly states he never even visited on Super Tuesday because it was clear that they didn't want Bernie Sanders, the Soviet, to win. 
And I, I'm getting the feeling where I'm watching this game plan play itself out all over again with COVID. Now, it's a little different in that their base is, a segment of their base's attachment to Branch Covidianism is much stronger than it ever was to Joe Biden. So it's going to be not, not quite as sudden. But you can see they are putting all of their ducks in a row. They're going to take the Omicron off-ramp. That is being Now they're going to still try to jab us into perpetuity. That's a separate fight. But lockdowns, masks, all these things, I believe, within 90 days are going to be gone and acted as if like they never even happened. At least they're going to try that. A, first of all, and, and, and if you say yes, then I have a second part. A, do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Then my second part, and we're going to discuss this amongst ourselves more in depth in the overtime after today's show, but I, I've got to get your take on this as a preview. Since we live in a political duopoly, what impacts one side hurts, impacts the other, right? It's unavoidable. So Republicans kind of had this plan of let's just sit around here and not take a stance on anything and, and then just be the other guys standing there when people vote all pissed off in November, right? Well, if Democrats take the Omicron off-ramp and suddenly a bunch of social indicators go from cataclysmic to still bad, but it looks like they're improving, um, what is the Republican message then in the second and third quarter of this year if, for example, inflation just goes from uh, goes to hyperinflation to just awful, but we're the frog in the boiling water, so it's presumed like, wow, it's actually, things are getting better. It's morning in America again. You see where I'm going with this? What's Team GOP's, uh, what's their what's their message? So the one thing I, I disagree with a little bit is I think the GOP will win no matter what. I don't think they need a message. I do understand that you could let the air out of the balloon a little bit. But the bottom line is just historically, based on where the Democrats are from their baseline, which is pretty low for uh, winning an election. Uh, so they're they're not in good shape. Um, but at the same time, Steve, my concern is that Republicans want the off-ramp just as much as the Democrats do. Uh, this was getting very bad. Uh, COVID fascism was it getting worse, the more illogical it would get, and the more it clearly didn't work. And they were being forced to take a stand in the states, the governors, the legislatures, and they didn't want to do that. They are going to use this to say, oh, look, it's over, done, tax cuts, and let's talk about you know some other things that Mitch McConnell and the Chamber of Commerce want to discuss. The problem with that is it's not over with. It's not over with. And I don't just mean the broader biomedical state that's going to continue the next viruses, the next vaccines, which they're working on 20 of them, uh, RSV, R mRNA to come out next year. Um, I mean, right now, Steve, what they're going to do, in my view, is this. They're going to take the things they're going to do a cost benefit analysis, not from a societal standpoint, but from a political standpoint. Uh, what gets the most bang for, per buck? And. Something like masking children that's really, you know, toxic going forward. Uh, it affects anyone who has kids. It affects any family. They're going to get rid of all those. They'll get rid of the masking. I don't know if they'll do it on the plane. I'm not sure. I could see either way. They're certainly not going to do it immediately, and they'll hold out as long as they can. But let me just give you an example of what is going on. Military members are getting kicked out, including National Guardsmen, who should be protected by their governors. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll still have health care workers. Uh, you talked a little bit about the branch Covidians. What are you going to do with them? Well, this is how the left is going to be able to straddle it. They're going to take off the broad base ones, but they'll give a runway for them to run where they want. So, for example, I just reported on a story in South Carolina. This is happening in all 50 states. Uh, organ transplant patients are being denied organs for not getting the shots. And that is still going on and it's going on in red states. I don't see evidence that things like that won't continue. 
Um, obviously, they're going to no. They've, push a, they've the established a baseline of of, of bio pharma fascist tyranny. And and this reminds me, Daniel, some of the best political analysis I've heard in my career is when is a few years ago, Rick Santorum said that even after after Democrats passed Obamacare, they lost over a thousand elections in the next three cycles between federal, state and local elections, over a thousand of them. When Donald Trump took office in January of 2017, there were the fewest elected Democrats nationwide since before the Great Depression. Basically, Obamacare had wiped out the New Deal coalition and electoral map that FDR created almost a century ago, right? But then Rick Santorum said, even if they knew in advance how damaging this would be to them politically, they still would have done it because yeah. of the of the precedent of power it was granting them, which is what yeah. they really care about. And that's what you're explaining here. That it, exactly. that this that that tentacles, the 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 extremities of this are politically untenable. And so they're going to pull back from that. But the, the inner core, the physiology is st- all still there. The precedents have all still been set. It's a hydra. And Republicans have shown all of our lives. They do not. They're, 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 the, Is- they're the Israelite kings who every now and then may restore rightful worship of Jehovah. But they're never going to go to the high places and tear down the Asherah poles. Yep. And so the infrastructure always remains. The, the difference between a surgeon removing a 90% of a cancer versus 100% is 100%. Mm-hmm. That's everything. Um, and, and that's the point. What I'm telling you is it's not even just the next iteration. It's right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to push the shots on babies and toddlers next Tuesday. Um, they won't, it won't be an official mandate, but a lot of people will get it. That's a big problem. If the, if the feds came in and said, we're distributing Planned Parenthood centers throughout your state uh, to abort babies, uh, but you know, it's not a mandate. You don't have to get it. I mean, really, that's okay. I mean, I, we didn't say for 50 years, well, hey, it ain't our people getting abortions. It's, they're doing it to their people. Um, you know, what do I care? No, we fought it because we said it's not the baby's fault. Um, and it's a similar thing here. That is not okay, even if it's not a mandate. And by the way, with organ transplant kids, it will be a mandate. Um, and and for, for babies and toddlers, I mean, that has to end. That and, and there is no attempt to end it. Our biggest challenge is Democrats are not retreating. They're reloading. Okay, it's a tactical reload, and they're going to come back for more established from a very high baseline. But on the other hand, they are incurring a lot of liability. We can catch magic, that lightning in a bottle where there's so many things we thought we could never accomplish. You could uproot, to, to quote Mitch McConnell, root and branch. That's what you need to do. That's what they didn't do with Obamacare. The bastard child was COVID fascism, and this is going to continue. And I just want to say it's not just even COVID or biomedical tyranny, um, which is certainly probably the biggest issue of our time. But think about this. DHS put out a memo today, basically, or yesterday, uh, lumping us in with terrorists. They said Mm -hmm. the number one terrorist threat. So before they mentioned Colleyville and international terrorism was people putting out what they say is misinformation on COVID and election fraud. Um, That's not funny. Uh, We've seen from January 6th, but in conjunction with COVID fascism, like you said, the precedent, the uninhibition that Whatever we want to achieve an end, if we establish that you are a threat to the public, there's literally nothing we cannot do to your body, your your business, your lives. So imagine they say, hey, you know, your views on global warming 
is a public health threat. Your exactly. views on anything yeah. is a public health threat. That precedent is still here. So the need for states to aggressively bolster their constitutions for human rights, serve as an interposition between the people and the federal government and sovereignty, this stuff is needed, but also more opportune now than ever. And alas, Republicans are good at jujitsuing that into a black hole. I started this year, and it's only February 9th. I started this year saying it was going to be a fascinating political science class or study to watch Democrats who, on electoral level, desire to take the Omicron off-ramp but have this base of their party that doesn't ever want to let this go. How would they navigate that? And we're we're watching them go through the, the machinations of moving their sheeple base to where they want them to go in real time. And now I kind of think, Daniel, that the, the fasting political study is on the other side. Where we have, you know, McConnell coming out yesterday, still referring to this as a violent insurrection. Okay. Standing next to my senator, uh, Joni Ernst, who wants our kids to die for nothing in Ukraine. And then you have a more radicalized GOP. We, we, have, a, we have a GOP base that is radicalized almost to the extent that people like you and I have been trying to get them radicalized our entire careers. This is a center that can't possibly hold, right? So they've got an off-ramp now to take. Do they take the Ron DeSantis off-ramp where we lead to win as opposed to the, the Mitch McConnell off-ramp, which is you win to lead, all right? Two, two completely different paradigms. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I disagree. I think there's a middle ground, Steve. It's, it's the bridging of both. They don't run an ad with Mitch McConnell's statement in a, in a primary saying, <laughs> you know, these are a bunch of insurrectionists. Or, you know, Ukraine all the way. That's not what they do. They run ads like Governor Kay Ivey of Alabama just did, uh, you know, cleverly showing Biden falling asleep and, you know, some some of these like optics they put out and they look look cool and everything. While she was the one saying that it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated for this on MSNBC of all places. Yeah, she literally sounded like Biden in Alabama. There are kids masked in school in freaking Birmingham to this day because of her and her actions. But I, Steve, I think our base is radicalized. But has our base learned to understand the art of politics, the who's who and what's what? And when you have the incumbent with all the Pfizer money they get to put out all these ads saying the exact opposite of what Pfizer wants to hear, but they'll govern like Pfizer. I'm still kind of confounded by that. I'm not sure what you do with that, especially when we have a broken conservative media that clearly has not gone through that cathartic experience like you're talking about, where you would think that the events of the last two years with, you know, BLM and COVID fascism and January 6th, and, you know, the witch hunt against against the First Amendment, that that would change who they are and their strategy and what they think about and how they talk. There's no evidence of that whatsoever, other than they'll run on our themes very broadly in a primary enough to dispatch a primary challenger. By the way, real quick here, headline from The Atlantic. The Atlantic, remember, is who launched the first COVID panic porn database. Remember that. OK. Headline from The Atlantic now. Open everything. There it is. Daniel, good to see you, my friend. We'll do it again next week, brother. Take care. God bless. Same to you. <clears throat> How you like them apples over there, Erzin? Uh, Daniel brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents. Itrust.com. So, I had a good friend of mine ask me recently, hey, I'm thinking about getting in the housing market. Gave him a recommendation to go to the guy that was my agent 15 years ago. It was the last time I was in the housing market because I 
I know the guy's still a good guy. And he was just telling me just the other day, hey, you're right, man. That guy works really hard. He really delivers. See, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the kind of real estate agent that even if you don't ever get into the housing market again, you want to recommend that person to other people that are looking for an agent they can trust right now. Where would you find that kind of an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Company started by Glenn Beck and his associates a few years ago because they, well, you guessed it, ran into agents they found out too late that they couldn't trust. They don't want that to happen to you. So before you get into the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Thoughts on the conversation we just had with Daniel? Well, you said, how do I like those apples? I <clears throat> What? What what am I supposed to feel? Uh, relief, rage, you know. Yeah, yes, we only yes. wrote a book about all this stuff like almost a year ago. Yeah, we've been talking about this for almost two years about different ways of doing things. Uh, I'm not, but you're not all you uh, Johnny come latelys. No, I, I promise you, spending the rest of my life making sure you never ever ever get to ride the coattails that some of us fought so damn hard for. You're never going to do it over my dead body. Uh, here, here, for one thing. Um, Daniel is right, though. This is like when we talk about, uh, when we talk about the Democratic Party, it's, it's really driven by a cult. And it, um, it, it reminds me of conversations we have about blue blood football and basketball programs at the collegiate level. And basketball, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, and football, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Georgias, who on a year-in and year-out basis, they don't really have a whole lot of peaks and valleys. They might have a year where they don't win the national championship. They may have a year when they don't um, make the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or the, or the Final Four. But they don't really have, they're just good every single year. They don't, they don't, um... They don't have to uh, rebuild every year. They just reload because that's the t- type of, of program that they have. Um, that's the same way with the Democratic Party. As, as Daniel was saying, their baseline, because they just go places, because the social compact is broken, they just go places. And then they use that as their baseline, regardless of whether or not we think it's constitutional or or lawful. They just use that as their baseline. These are the rules now that we're playing by. Um, what are you guys doing over there? Okay, you're not going to fight. Okay, that's that's what they do. They don't rebuild from year to year, election cycle to the election cycle, issue to issue. They just reload and recharge. And so you have to be ever vigilant with them. The Matrix just reboots. Yep. Yes. That'll do it for today's show. Overtime is going to be recorded now for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.